0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. There's a little sticker on the floor that somebody drew a smiley face on. and That must have been for me because I don't feel like smiling right now, uh, but I, I will. Um, no, I'm never going to lead worship music. It's not going to happen. Uh, I can't sing. Um, I don't want to sing. I don't pretend like I can. I don't even sing in the shower. I don't sing by myself. I don't sing to the dog. Uh, and I'm certainly not singing to you. If I'm ever in charge, so what we're going to do is I've got a fantastic playlist, and we're sitting, uh, and it's going to be listen to my music. Uh, would you be all right with that? Okay, good. It was a chaotic uh, morning actually, uh, with you know the storm kind of coming through. I love springtime. I don't know if you've seen blossoms out there. You know, it's a it's a beautiful time of year. But it's taking a minute to get here, right? It's been a long, long winter. And I can say winter, even though it's actually spring, uh, because we've had snow a couple of times in like the last six days, right? Anybody else get sad about that? Or is it just me? Like, I'm so tired of feeling stuck in the house, like I'm a prisoner. Because, I mean, what are you going to do outside? I mean, there's some of you that going can go out so You're weird. Uh, the rest of us are like, no, it's cold and miserable. What am I going to do? And I realized that was beginning to be my attitude, Uh, And, you know, being incredibly intelligent like I am, uh, I decided, you know, what would be best is, you know, if I can sit on my deck, you know, I've got a shelter and a heater, and I'll watch news. So I started watching news, uh, you know, and I I don't, like, watch a channel. You know, I, I, I YouTube everything. That's what I do, and there's all of these things, and I'm feeling restless, and I'm feeling discontent you know I'm, I'm, there's something not right and you know the, maybe it was the weather maybe it was the news maybe you know it was you i don't know and as i'm feeling these feelings and and trying to get ready for this sermon in the we believe series and today is about jesus and that is such a massively important turning point in world religions is Jesus, uh, and the, the reason why Christianity stands apart from all other religions is Jesus, and it's because there's hope in Jesus, and what I realized is I was losing hope because of what I was pouring into my brain, all right? I'm, I'm pouring in garbage, basically, uh, and I'm allowing that, and I'm allowing it to have uh, an effect on who I'm choosing to be, even though at the time, it didn't feel like it was a choice, Right? It, it, I felt like I was a captive to these feelings. Anybody recognize that? Or am I just really crazy? So, so you understand? So, you know, I'm thinking about this. We believe and we believe, we believe. And it's, who's Jesus? Who is Jesus? And I was focused so much on the Jesus part, which we're going to go to and is it mostly important. But I got to the we believe, the believe part. What do we believe? And uh, I, don't, I don't know if you spend your day or any time at all uh, in reflection. What do you believe? You know, uh, the EV Free Church, EFCA, puts out a statement of faith which mirrors ours. It might be just written a little bit more clearly, and we're going to be taking this vote coming up. Uh, but, you know, this is about what we believe, and, and I think it's our responsibility as as the leadership to teach what it is, to preach about it, about who Jesus is, and have a common belief. And uh, as I was thinking how many times I've you know, been in some type of a conversation and somebody will bring up God, and it's like, oh, do you believe in God? And they say, oh, yeah. And then the rest of the conversation is like, oh, cool. And then it doesn't go, it like, tell me what you feel about God. Who is God Do you, right? So we went through who God is and how he reveals himself, and we went through the Bible, the inerrant word. That's our, our roadmap. Uh, and, and then we went through the human condition, which is frightening, Uh, to say the least, without a Savior, Um, and and today we're talking about Jesus, and I think it's important that we ask ourselves, what do we believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? What do I believe? But then corporately, what do we believe? So there's Article 4, which we're going to read in a tiny bit, but in this world of discontent that I was feeling, you know, I, I didn't really like click like, hey, I'm feeding junk in. That's not how it felt. That was an afterthought. Uh, but in, in this world that we're in today, what the world says is very, very vocal, uh, and it's very prevalent, and, and, and what I realize is it's insidious in, in every aspect of life. You know, there's this controversy, that controversy, there's all, all of these things, and it's like all of this noise, and I just want it quiet. I just want it Quiet. Well, I had the power to create the quiet. I just chose not to for whatever dumb reason. I didn't do that. So it's like, you know, one of the things that gets me out of these feelings is music. right? I don't sing, but I listen. I'm I'm a qualified, bona fide, amazing listener to music. And I make sure that in my car and in my home and on my deck that I've got stereos that can go loud, because that's how God intended it. If I'm out listening to my music outside, so should my neighbors. That's just how it should be. So, I start listening to music, and there's a lot of great music, and I have secular music, and I have Christian music. I have a a, a little bit of Christian music, and every now and then, there's these intriguing things where somebody who's not necessarily known for being a Christian or known for having a spiritual life will come out with a song that's profound. And... It was describing the feeling that I have. So there's this poet out there in the world, uh, and he has hundreds of songs and has made millions of dollars. And, you know, somebody that I like, and a lot of people like to tease me because I like him, and they do their own rendition of Bob Dylan. And shame on you for doing your own rendition because it's almost always with a little derision. He can't sing. Well, his two albums that he put out, during this very vocal part of his Christian life. When he became a Christian, he put out two different albums and they weren't received real well, but one of them in particular is an exceptional album. And it's mostly because of the lyrics. It'll never be because of Bob Dylan's voice, right? It's not that pure, but he has emotion that comes out. He emotes so well, and you can just see the conviction. You can hear the conviction that he has as he's singing this. And I wanna share a little bit of lyrics So as he's finding Jesus, this is what he says. Precious angel under the sun, how was I to know you'd be the one? That's the one who led him to Christ. To show me I was blinded, to show me I was gone, how weak was the foundation I was standing upon. Now there's spiritual warfare and flesh and blood breaking down. You either got faith or you got unbelief and there ain't no neutral ground. The enemy is subtle, howbeit we are so deceived when the truth's in our heart and we still don't believe. And that rocked my world for the moment. You either have faith or you have unbelief. And in our world, we don't like black and white, we love there to be this massive middle that everybody's welcome. And Jesus welcomes everybody, but there are some conditions, and the condition is a faith and a belief in who he is and what he's accomplished, and we're going to get there in Article 4 in just a minute, but bear with me. The world today, the messages we're receiving is incredibly confusing, and I don't know about you, but if you begin to hear them, do you ever feel anxious, like... People are trying to change what reality really is. They're telling us that I have to believe a lie. That true faith doesn't exist. And if you claim to have true faith, then you're a bigot or a racist or whatever word it is that's the buzzword for being bad today. And it's the exact opposite. So, as I'm listening through, another person that I listen to, his name is Peter Himmelman, comes up and Uh, Peter uh, has high level faith in God. He's a Jewish man and he's not Messianic Jew. He's a Jewish man. But his way of speaking articulates ways that I can't. And this is what he says. He said, well, these are the times when white is black and black is white. Say that again. Well, these are the times when white is black and black is white. So you better study your roadmaps very well. All of the answers are obscured from sight, and that, my friends, is the very essence of hell. And I realized that's what I was feeling. I was feeling an essence of hell. In the world today, that's telling me that black is white, and white is black, and I know intrinsically that that's false. But part of me doesn't dare speak out because I'll get canceled and ruined. And uh, there really isn't much to cancel, (laughs) Honestly, take a small eraser, gone. Very little influence in the world, but I have influence in those around me and those that I come with. And, and it, it, part of me wants to get angry and, and fight back and come back with apologetics and you know all these reasons why they're along and convince them with logic. And I realize that it's not me. It's not gonna work that way. Something else has to happen. So Dylan says you either have faith or you have unbelief and there ain't no neutral ground. So Jesus tells us that he spits out the lukewarm. He'd rather have either hot or cold. You'd have faith or unbelief, one of the two. Preference to the middle ground, the gray ground. And I'm here to tell you today the black is black and white is white. And I'm not talking about all of the struggles in the world and all of the ludicrous statements that are happening and all of the posturing, because politics in posturing are evil. It just is. Because there's no Jesus in it. There ain't no neutral ground. Now, I'm not saying everybody that is a politician is evil. I'm saying the institution. And sometimes that voice is so loud that we forget. We begin to suddenly slip into the gray area because it's more comfortable. And as a body of Christ, it's our responsibility to have black and white. Now, there are areas of Christianity where we're going to have some gray areas. There's the big rocks, and that's the black and white. And then there's the small rocks. So, you know, do you have to be immersed for baptism, or can you be sprinkled? Uh, It doesn't matter. Jesus says get baptized. We're not going to fight about that. But is there one true God, and is Jesus our only hope? Yes. That's who we are, because it separates Christianity from all other religions. We're the only one that has hope, that has rescue from the world we live in. And if you don't think we need rescue, listen to the news for two weeks and you will become as depressed as I was. It's terrible. Do you believe that there's no neutral ground when it comes to Jesus? I do. So the article of faith is... is, something I want to share with us right now. And it's talking about our belief. And I wonder where you are in your belief. And that's part of the purpose of this sermon is to question you, not to question how or why, but do you believe? And if you do believe, what do you believe? Because I don't know if that question gets answered very often. So this is the article Four, Jesus Christ from the EFCA. We believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, fully God and fully man. One person in two natures. Jesus, Israel's promised Messiah, was conceived through the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified under Pontius Pilate, arose bodily from the dead, ascended into heaven, And sits today at the right hand of God the Father as our high priest and advocate. Now, that is incredibly well written. And I absolutely love it because it articulates something really simple. Now we can go into depth in every aspect of that, but but Article Four states that Jesus is the promised Messiah, that he is God. That Jesus was born of a virgin. Think about that for a minute. Blow your mind. Because our rational world is going to say, hey, you fools, how could you ever believe that? Well, I also happen to believe that Jesus spoke the world into existence, so I don't have much of a leap of faith from that point to this one. That he lived a sinless life. The world will tell us, yeah, he was a good guy. No, he wasn't, he was perfect and he was fully human while he was perfect. He had all of the same temptations and all of the same feelings that we have. He was fully human, and he lived a sinless life. We know that he taught disciples, and that he had a ministry. There's a whole bunch of his life that we don't know about. Someday, maybe we'll find out when we're with him. But we know this little bit about his life, and it, all it does is lead to the cross. It leads to Pontius Pilate, the judge, the man who had the power of his life and death, and in the cowardly way that he sent Jesus to the cross, the completely unjustified because there was no sin. We believe that. We believe that they crucified him. That he was on the hill, and there was at least two men crucified next to him, two thieves. Then one of them got saved that day and the other derided him. One was of the world and one was of God. And we believe that he died physically. He was pronounced D-O-A and went to the grave. And after three days, he arose again bodily. It wasn't some spiritual rebirth. It was a complete rebirth of him, body and all, and that he ascended after a little while to heaven where he still resides today and he sits there and he is our advocate and our high priest. Do you believe that? So if someone were to ask you, could you recite that back? You know, is, is that the requirement? You know, to get into heaven? No, I don't think it is. See, if, if, if that were the case, you know, certain people test really well, and I'm completely the opposite of that. As soon as, you know, I hear the word test, my palms sweat, and if they say, here's a pencil and some paper, and this is what you're going to do, my mind goes blank. And I can be proficient in whatever it is, but as soon as there's this test and there's a level of authority over me that's going to judge me, otherwise give me a grade, uh, something happens, And it doesn't go well for me. Does that mean that I don't understand it suddenly? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that I learned completely different because if that same person were to sit down with me and we began a casual discussion and there was a little Bob Dylan playing in the background, I'm going to pass that test with flying colors because I'm different. And God knows our hearts. So it isn't a matter of memorization, but it's a matter of, okay, we've had these experiences. So what is your experience? Well, this is how mine works. My experience was uh, I end up in a terrible position and, and, and I'm in uh, rehab and then I'm at, at meetings afterwards. And, and uh, there's the first three steps. And you know the first one is that my life had become unmanageable, that, that I couldn't manage my own life anymore. And I had to actually believe that. Now I want you to put yourself in that position where you have a bunch of people in authority, and, and you also have these people that supposedly love you, confronting you, saying your life is out of control. You don't know what's going on. And you actually have to believe that in order to change that. Well, of course, I did it the very first time, and I did it perfect. No, I didn't. It was really hard. It was really hard to admit that. I had to become small, and that was the last thing I ever wanted to become was small. So I become smaller and smaller, and I finally get over myself, and and I begin to go, okay, maybe I'll try this again. And I was really PO'd because God got reintroduced into my life. I'd spent 18 years in the church, and I didn't believe any of it, and I didn't want any of it. I was running away from it, and here I am back to the God factor. And so I've got a choice. What am I going to do? Well, my experience was kicking and screaming, and then my experience was is I was still very immature as a human being at that time. And even though there's this God in my life, I don't have a clue. And I'm told it's of your understanding. And so I went for a long time. And I finally had some smart people long ago say, maybe the God you're trying to turn your life over to is the God of your misunderstanding. Now, my, I've got a friend named George who still uses that phrase regularly. And it's awesome. And it reminds me, was it possible that there was a God of my misunderstanding? Was it possible there was a Jesus of my misunderstanding? The answer was irrevocably yes. Now, I'm still learning today. I haven't arrived. But things have changed since then. So in order to say what my belief was, what my knowing was, is I had to go through an experience And I have that experience rattle everything to the core. Now, some of us aren't that dumb, and they don't have to have that much pain. That bless you, that's awesome. But some of us out here are still in that mode of of pushing back, and we begin to use our intellect. And intellect is a really dangerous thing because intellect often leads to pride. And some people are really good, man. They'll carry around little pamphlets or they got all of these facts and figures and they, you know, whatever it is. And they can argue something left and right and left and right. And they're always right. They always end up right. No, they just know how to argue better than everybody else. Rarely are they right. So the world is telling us this, Jesus, yeah, who is he? Who is he? Well, I think... Simply, he's our hope. If I had to narrow it down to something really, really small, which matches my brain. He's my hope. He's my only hope. He's the only hope for the church. He's the only hope for my family. He's the only hope for my life. He's the only hope for salvation. But he's also my only hope for living on this planet. And I don't want to waste my time on this planet. I really don't. I want to be significant. And I don't mean in front of other people. I want to be significant alone. And God had to get rid of all the brush in my life and cut it down and and make it so that I could view a field of my life and, and actually see clearly who he is. Because everything that was in front of who he is was just brush that needed to be whacked down. In Matthew 16 verses 13 through 18, it says this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say that John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has. And I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, it's okay to ask, because Jesus did, and he's in company. And he says, it's okay to ask each other, who do you say that Jesus is? And the world told him, the world... Some, oh, you're, you're this prophet, you're this guy, you're that guy. And all of them were wrong. Did you get that? The whole world was wrong. And Simon Peter is right. He says, yeah, but who do you say I am, Simon? And I think he's asking us today, in light of Article 4, in the statement of faith, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Jesus is asking you right now. I'm letting it be quiet for a second on purpose. As you process, who do you say that he is? Is he the Christ? Is he the living hope? Is he the defeater of Satan, sin, and death? Is he the thing in your heart deep down that gives you purpose and meaning? Is he the one who showed you what love is so that you know how to love outwardly as well as inwardly? Is he magnificent? Maybe the world is telling us something different. And unfortunately, there are some churches out there that kind of give us some other ideas. So maybe this is who you think Jesus is. Maybe you think he's a good example Jesus. Who shows you how to help people, change the planet and become a better you. And maybe he's spiritual Jesus. Who hates religion, churches, pastors, priests and doctrine and would rather have people out in nature finding the god within while listening to worship instrumentals. You can laugh. Isn't all that serious. I love this one. Maybe he's entrepreneur Jesus. who wants you to live your best life. Reach your, our full potential. Reach for the stars and buy a boat. My least favorite one, because I really don't like hippies. But a hippie Jesus, who teaches everyone to give peace a chance. Imagines a world without religion and helps us remember that all you need is love. Hey, you know, you need some food, too. So does your neighbor. Maybe it's gentle Jesus who is meek and mild with high cheekbones, flowing hair, and walks around barefoot and fair-skinned. I don't know. Have you ever thought about it? Who is Jesus to you? Uh, There's two. Well, actually, I'm going to give you three more. There's therapist Jesus who helps us cope with life's problems, heals our past, and tells us how valuable we are and not to be so hard on ourselves. Or open-minded Jesus, who loves everyone all the time, no matter what, except for people who are not as open-minded as you. Oh, man, does that sound like today, or what? And lastly, it's probably my favorite one, Tim Tebow Jesus, who helps athletes run faster and jump higher than non-Christians and determines the outcomes of Super Bowls. Who do you say I am? The statement of faith is very clear. Born of a virgin, sinless life, Pontius Pilate, murdered on the cross, died, physically rose, and now sits on the right hand of God as our advocate and our high priest. He's our advocate. That means his eyes are on us. And early on in my Desire to understand who God was—it was all for personal benefit. I was much more of the list type of uh, a guy, and when I thought Jesus's eyes were on me and they said that, I always took that as a threat, right? Like he's watching when I insert dumb thing, and and I, I kind of believed that for a while, and and even today, like in the negativity of the last you know, a couple of weeks that I've allowed myself to have. Uh, that's kind of the picture I had of who Jesus is, is he's kind of looking down with disappointment and furrowed eyebrows. I don't have any eyebrows. So you couldn't see that. But And I realize that's not it. His eyes are bent towards us. And through Jesus' eyes, that means his heart's bent towards us. And it isn't in condemnation. He tells us he's not here to condemn. It's in hope. It's in love. It's in understanding. It's in grace. It's in joy. He looks at us and he does smile. Us. Not always our actions. But he's so magnificent that, that love doesn't end just because I make a bad choice. His eyes are bent towards me. And that should mean something spectacular, that the creator of the universe has eyes on me because he knows me. He knows I'm not gonna lead worship here. He knows that. There's a lot of reasons. He knows you. So his eyes are bent towards us. And in my early part, I finally realized what I had to get over in order to have a little bit of faith, a little bit of belief in who Jesus really is, that I could answer, yeah, you're the, you're the son of God. You're the perfect one. In order for me to do that, I had to overcome myself. Because my easiest tendency is to be a really big deal. And it's such a big deal in my own brain that sometimes it supersedes who Christ is, who the Christ is. And that's to my shame. And I, I'm vulnerable when I'm up here. I'm telling you things that I, my, my hope is, is not to be just self-effacing, but to just be honest and so, so you can relate. Maybe some of us feel that way too. And I have my glasses off, and I can't see anybody, but this would be a really good time for all of you to nod your head. Right? So thank you, even if you didn't. So this vulnerability aspect, it took me a long time to get there because if you're a big deal, you don't get vulnerable. Uh, and, and what I needed to do was begin to have some level of trust in who this God of my misunderstanding was to try to transform it into the God of my understanding. And in order to do that, I needed a roadmap. And Peter Himmelman study your roadmaps very well because all of the answers are obscured from sight, and that, my friend, is the very essence of hell, and that's what it was like living without Jesus. It was the very essence of hell, because it was the absence of Christ. Do you live in the absence of Christ? Does he come up once a year, or when things get really, really scary and hard? Are you holding on to a level of bitterness that is so profound that it has erased the Christ? What I love about the rock, Jesus Christ, that this church is built on, that all Christian churches should be built on and hopefully are built on, Is it's a message of hope and if it's truly a message of hope, it should be highly attractional. So that would mean yeah, I I live a couple of weeks like I did in the and, and then realizing it's a choice that I'm there, I hate that. I want it to be your fault. But I finally get over myself and it's like, yeah, I can cause that own self misery. Um, And now there's this redemptive aspect and this redemptive aspect is Jesus didn't keep his eyes off from me while I was there. They were still there and they were still calling and they were still welcoming. And God was saying, come on back home. You're off the track. It's okay. You go off the track all the time. You're like your own dog. What more do you expect? You don't Listen. You chose to put garbage in and you began to believe and then you began to worry and then you decided I better have all of these arguments and I need to let the world know how stupid they are. They already know. They feel it. See, the world has some areas that are black and white and it's called truth and lies. They exchanged the truth for lies. I exchange the truth for lies sometimes. And I need my roadmap, scripture. And sometimes I need my audible roadmap, my my Google, whatever it is that tells me when to turn, that's you and John and Britton and whoever teaches. And it's, it's other podcasts that I can listen to. And it's, it's the written holy word of God. Because I suffer from the human condition that we talked about last week, I am lost and I am failed. I am the original sinner and left to my own devices. I live in the essence of hell. And I don't ever want for me the promise of eternal salvation to be the reason why I follow. That's a bonus that none of us are gonna deserve. And it's gonna be amazing. I I, I don't wanna go into that aspect because I don't understand it, but I, I just know it's gonna be rocking and cool. But I want it for today. Because the feelings that I have and the spiritual part of me is as real as the day is long. And I can do whatever I want to try to numb that, to stop that. And I can use my intellect to blame everything around me. The reason I was in the mood I was in for two weeks was it was my choice. Because I'm a little man with a tiny brain who took control. What I want to do is I want to turn control over the one who loves me, who showed me what love is, who took upon him a burden because he's as pure as snow. He took upon a burden of me, which made the snow really like the snow is at the end of winter in Grand Rapids. Along the side of the road, it's black. And that makes me depressed every time I drive by. And that's who I was. And he took that for one reason, not to shame me with it, not to go look how bad you were because we've all fallen short. Took it because of his love for us. And if I choose to live that way, I have to realize that it's not me that figured it out. See, it says in that little bit in Matthew. Yeah, it's, it's not flesh and blood that showed you this, Peter. So what that means is it wasn't you being the most brilliant apologetics person in the universe, that you're the best Bible studier and that you've researched all over the place because your human intellect will never find a God, but God will find you. It is through him that you know who Jesus is. And God is evident all the time, everywhere, if you look hard enough. So who do you say that I am? Maybe this is the first time that question's ever been asked of you. Maybe you are clueless, welcome. Maybe you think you have it completely figured out, welcome. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle, welcome. Welcome. But we should never be afraid to ask each other what Jesus asked others. And we should never be afraid before that happens, to ask ourselves. So this is a rhetorical question where you don't have to say it out loud. I would encourage you to, because that makes it more real. Who do you say that I am? He's the Christ. He's the hope. He's love and he's discipline. And he's black and he's white. He's the truth. He's the anti lie. He is joy and peace. He's empowering. He sees you as an individual, he knows your circumstance. He knows your excuses. He knows your wins and he knows your losses. And he is accepting of you. The thief on the cross didn't list article four to Jesus. He said, truly, you're the son of God. Remember me. Jesus, knowing his heart. That's all the test is, It's where's your heart? So the band's gonna come out here in Manistee, and I'm gonna ask if you'll bow your heads, we're gonna pray, and then we're gonna worship and song one more time together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your brilliance, but most of all, for your humbleness of coming up with a plan to restore our relationship with you in such a humble way, you could have just freeze flash everything and started over with a better crowd, but you chose us. You chose us because you love us. And your desire was that we freely love you back. Forgive us for the times when we treat Jesus as the therapist or the hippie or the prosperity, Jesus. Thank you for the times when the Father teaches us who Jesus really is, that we have no pride in our knowledge of that, that we have pride instead of your revelation to us. Father, be with us all this week. And I know that I know, that I know that you're going to make yourself evident this week. Help us to have eyes to see it and not excuses to be blind. In your blessed name, amen.